The day is finally here. I've waited two and a half years and 52 episodes for this. So welcome to episode 53 of Te Tarik with Walid. And today we will have Nicolsia on our show. And she is, of course, as many of you would know, she's my favorite politician. And she is someone I have admired since 2011. So I am extremely delighted and humbled that she has accepted this invitation. Hello. Hi. Can you hear Hi, me? Nicole. Yes, I can hear you very well. So let me mm-hmm. let me uh, introduce you. And with mm-hmm. us, we have a political influencer, one of the most recognizable faces in the East, someone who has moved the frontiers of political discourse in Singapore, an inspiration to many young people, a political icon. And we also have Nicolsia with us. <laughs> it's true. I, I meant uh, that for you. So thank you so much. And, oh, sorry. Uh, I, I, I was waiting for that person to show up. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so, Nicole, thank you. And the first question has to be, what took you so long? Ayo. Um, yeah, I just I just want to say thanks so much, Walid, uh, for inviting me on this platform. Uh, I know I've been a little bit coy about accepting for a very long time, and uh, to be honest, it, it really just when it really just brought down to time management la. I simply just didn't have enough time to accept many speaking engagements. So I would say that um, yours is the only one that um, I accepted. And in, in recent times, in recent memory. And I think yours will be the only engagement that I accept for a very long time to come. And wow. uh, that's because, no, I mean, seriously speaking, and I think it's because I really respect your work and your platform too much to say no and decline the invitation. Oh, wow. that, is, that is such an honor. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And uh, I mean, it's, it's the same. It's the same. I admire, I've admired you since 2011, you know. So, uh, the first question, right? Uh, the first substantive question, right? So some people have said that you you have flipped from a party to another party, right? So what? Why do you flip, uh, or why do you change parties? And does that mean that you will go with a party that is likely to win rather than a party that is closer to your personal beliefs? Yeah, um, I think first and foremost, I do want to say that uh, that might be a sign of your age talking, Walid, because, <laughs> <laughs> because um, when, when I go on my walks, right, um, it's only the older aunties and uncles that will ask me, like, hey, why you change party? But right. um, actually, a lot of the younger folks, they don't seem to factor that into um, how they know me and why they know me. Uh, so they don't really talk about it much, lah. Um, I think um, to to your point about whether I chose to join the party that had uh, the most winning chance, uh, I would beg to differ because um, I've actually been volunteering with WP for the last seven years. And when I joined, that was in 2015. Um, I think you know uh, what happened in 2015. Uh, I think uh, it was very demoralizing for the opposition cause at large. And um, I think uh, people just felt like, well, you know, really no hope ready, no hope ready, you know. So uh, there there was a lot of that that was happening. And because of that, uh, we also correspondingly saw um, a drop in the kind of volunteers that uh, came on board. Uh, Definitely very different from the atmosphere that was in 2011 and even 2020. So, um, yeah, I I think, uh, you know, I, I joined the party at a time where um, 
not not just uh, that, that that I wasn't really thinking about you know the odds of winning, but I think uh, me joining the WP also um, made me reconcile the fact that um, when when I first came on board when I started volunteering, uh, there was that possibility that I would never be a candidate. And uh, the reason why I say this is because um, people who join WP uh, don't join the party uh, to be a candidate. Uh, they join to volunteer. They start from ground up. Regardless of what credentials you have, um, you know, what kind of background you come from, you start off by stacking chairs, um, you know, at the grassroots dinners, all of you, regardless, um, you know, you start off distributing flyers. So that was really my journey into WP. And, um, you know, I really did not expect to be um, called up as a candidate, um, especially given that, um, you know, there also isn't really a history of um, uh, WP, um, you know, co-opting uh, individuals who have uh, contested other parties before. Yeah. Right. So I wasn't really expecting to talk about this in detail. Like I, I had like this very PC filler response, um, you know, on my laptop. So uh, thanks very much for teasing that. I think you're going to get me to cover paper. No, thank but, you, uh, thank you. Okay. No, no. I think I think that that was yeah. a good answer, and and I think I just got pwned by Nicole. Reminding me of my age, but I'm only just one year older than you, Nicole. Alma, okay, you pull me back. Very good, very good. Okay, okay, so you win, so you win. Is, is is the WPPAP like? Um. Okay. So I think um for for myself, I I don't really think of it as like oh you know are we PAP light or you know even is the PAP WP light for that matter. But um I've been in situations on the ground where I've actually had to defend government policies. And not just um, you know oppose for the sake of opposing, and I think it's needed because um, it's not reasonable. It's simply not reasonable for us to um, oppose everything that the government rolls out. It's not constructive or healthy for Singapore as well. So at the end of the day, I think all the parties that are sitting in parliament do want what's best for Singapore. Uh, maybe they just have a slightly different perspective as to how they want to go about doing it, lah. Um, so I mean, like I said earlier, like you know, I think all these parties are um, largely aligned in that sense. Um, but I also feel that both parties play a very different role in Singapore's political landscape. Uh, in the sense that the PAP feels that they are synonymous with Singapore's history, um, but that has also come at the expense of silencing, um, you know, its critics, uh, civil liberties, and you know, dissent for the longest time. And I also kind of feel like that has hurt our ability to understand nuance or even cope with diverging views as a society. You know, like, for example, right now, as I'm sitting here with you talking, right, I mean, there are trolls, you know, that are coming in. Yeah. And obviously, they are coming yeah. in because, you know, they disagree with what I stand for or they disagree with what I do. And I think uh, that's completely fine. But um, I also think that them trolling is a very poor use of their energy. Uh, right. You know, and if you really feel very strongly about something, right, then, you know, seek to build, seek to create, seek to build upon uh, what you agree with rather than to destroy Right. So, uh, I, that, I, but I think yeah. the, the the fact that people troll you is a sign of your popularity, right? <laughs> so people wouldn't troll just anybody, right? So actually, that's a that's a signal that you're doing well if you have trolls. <laughs> but of course, I know it's. I imagine it's not easy for you. Actually, uh, I don't how, care. How, I, oh, really? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's difficult. I mean, um, if you ask me ten years ago when I was much younger. Uh, definitely, I'll be affected by it to some extent. I would be thinking like, uh, oh, you know, oh, I better watch what I say, you know. But but nowadays, I, I just really don't care anymore. I just think, oh my goodness, like if this person is going to spend time like trying to tear me down, then they're, they're just very sad, lah, you know. They're right, just have very right. sad lives. And right, just, it is, um, it is. Yeah, A lot the, of the these things, they, 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 yeah. they, they do They do live sad lives. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's move on to something that you would uh, you that is close to your heart, right? As the youth wing head of the WP, right? So I have a few questions on this. So the first one, 
the <coughs> elephant in the room, the the Raisahan issue. And I don't want to discuss the issue per se because there's an ongoing police investigation and there will be a court hearing probably. So I, I don't want to discuss that. Uh, I, what I want to ask is, do you think that incident hurt the cause of young people joining politics? And do you think WP itself will be scarred such that they will not get if they get a young candidate, it'll be a youngish candidate like you and not a young, young candidate like Raisa. Wait, so, so what, what do you mean by... <laughs> what, what do you mean by youngish versus young versus... I feel like... So young, young is like 20 here, plus, so, right? 20 hmm. plus. So I think... <laughs> so 20 plus, 20 plus years old. Do you think the WP is cut by that? Or the opposition parties will be cut uh, by that? Uh, because maybe there's a lack of maturity or, or something? Um, to, to be honest, I don't feel that young people are so easily deterred. Uh, if you tell, and, and you know we have so many young people here in this chat right now, right? Um, yeah, I'm thinking, a um, lot of your fans. Yeah, I'm, look at the comments. And, and your yeah. fans, and your fans, you know, your loyalists who have been around for a very long time. But um, I, I feel, and this, you know, people can agree, disagree or agree with me in the comments. Um, I don't believe that young people are so easily deterred. Uh, if a young person really wants to do something, right, and you tell them not to do it, all the more they're going to do it. Right. So I think same goes for politics as well. Uh, you know, it's just because, you know, they came down really hard on this one person doesn't mean that it's going to put people off in general. I think people are very aware that, you know, there are larger issues at play regardless of how old or how young you are. That the moment you enter opposition politics, then, you know, there is a heightened level of scrutiny and uh, there, is, there, there is really like a lot that you're putting at stake and at risk um, when, when you stand up there as an opposition candidate versus uh, if you were a PAP person, yeah. Can you can you elaborate more on that? What? The, okay. The... <laughs> um, I I mean, uh, generally, I do feel that uh, the PAP MPs and ministers, uh, yes, you know, with social media, they do get their fair share of trolling. But um, you can also see that uh, you know they really up their TikTok game. It's very obvious that you know they have like huge like you know PR efforts that are behind them professionals you know they have sustained efforts where you know they can produce content they can work with influencers on a paid basis and uh, you know they, they're able to um, produce like make the time to like you know produce and even ideate TikTok content I don't believe that the ministers themselves are so free to ideate TikTok content <laughs> um, you know and given how high involvement the platform is I am very confident that you know there is a team behind them that you know is supporting all of these efforts I mean uh, take a look at uh, you know if you were to attend say a PAP engagement on a weekend for example uh, you know we have done uh, similar um, you know programs in the past for like uh, Aljunit GRC right like for example if there is a HIP that's going on we set up that exhibition and you know it's all our volunteers who are just standing there and you know we're just like you know trying to educate the residents and all but if this was a PAP ward and you know I've attended uh, such events uh, in, in personal capacity as well what you see is that you have representatives from your PR agency you have your legal representatives you have your HDB representatives you have your PA representatives right. you have basically all of these they people the and you have the yeah. entire machinery who basically do everything for you and all you need to do is to show up and you just need to, you know, say, read from a script, say what you were meant to say. I mean, granted, I'm not discounting any of the work that they are doing. I think it's very, very tiring as well. And, you know, kudos to the PAP MPs and ministers who are doing this on a daily basis. Public service is very, very difficult. But I will also say that they have a lot of resources. They have a paid team. They have the entire civil service machinery behind them 
we do not. And that's right. a challenge that we face fundamentally. So because of that, right, then that puts us in a position where we are just a lot more exposed and, you know, a lot can go wrong. And, you know, a lot of it is really like our own sensing on the ground of like, you know, what we think we need to do. How do we think we need to shift and how do we need to act in that particular moment? La? Right. Thank you. Thank you. That, that, was a, that was an excellent answer. So I, I just want to read a few comments. So may, Megan uh, said that Walid is rapping WP Blue. No, this is coincidental. <laughs> Don't look too much Don't look into this. Uh, then the quality of content for TikTok. And yes, I don't know whether you saw this, Nicole, Sunshelling's latest TikTok video, I think. Some PAP MPs or some MPs in general or politicians should just stay off TikTok. And, and while I think definitely it will help uh, reach out to younger vo voters, I think it's also conde condescending to younger people thinking that if you have a good TikTok game, then you're going to get the votes of the young people, right? I mean, the Malaysian election, the, the three most popular online personalities, Khairi Jamaluddin lost, Nurul Iza lost, Said Sadiq barely won, and he is more Ooh. popular than anybody else. So voters definitely look... I mean, just because you go viral doesn't mean people are going to vote for you, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that was absolutely spot on. I mean, that was quite a... So personally for me, I haven't really had the time to follow the Malaysian elections very closely apart from what my Malaysian counterparts have been talking to me about. But um, I did make the same observations as you that like, hey, these people are quite popular. They are even known right. beyond Malaysia and they've even come to Singapore for state visits and all. And yet, for some reason, like that didn't quite translate into votes. Right. So for me, that's very interesting. And that's also part of the reason why, um, you know, during when, when it's downtime, when it's not an election period, uh, people do ask me and pressure me on the back end. They're like, hey, please, la, you know, you need to do more on social media. Can you please do more on TikTok? Can you please do more on Instagram? Can you do more lives, you know? And, and, I, and I completely refuse. And, and I'm not refusing because um, I, I don't want to play the social media game. But I think it's just a hamster wheel that you're never going to pop off. And I think you're just going to be you know, thinking like, oh, what's the next big social media moment that I need to, like, get hold of? And I think that's a very irritating way to live your life, honestly. Like, that's not the right way to live. Um, right. I, I think usually, like, on a daily basis, um, I don't even think about social media. I kind of just use social media as my report card just to update everyone on, like, you know, right. the walkabouts that I've been doing. And I kind of suspect that, you know, people are getting a bit bored of that because, like, my numbers are dropping. La, but, I mean, it's fine because <laughs> it's a loud period anyway. But it's literally, <laughs> like, you know, picture walkabout, like, well, I, talk, I spoke to this resident, you know. And, and it's just, like, I mean, that, that's just me, la, you know. I'm not going to sit around ideating because I don't think that's going to shift the needle at the end of the day. And I think that, you know, we are not influencers first and foremost, we are politicians and I think we really need to take note of that. Yes, there is an element of online engagement that needs to be done, but I think that that is just a very small component and we should not overemphasize that too much. I think we should put that on a map. We are not influencers, we are politicians and I think a lot of <laughs> politicians are losing sight of that. And, and I just wanted to say from my experience, because as you know, my parents uh, live in, in Sime and... Um, during the hustings, I, you, you came over to my parents' house twice. Mm. Uh, and the, the PAP MP wasn't, uh, didn't, didn't even come once. Or maybe, maybe we're not in, I don't know. But we didn't see her once. And I think nothing can replace the ground game, right? Especially in, in systems like ours, right? It's not proportional representation system. It's a plurality system. So nothing can really replace the, the groundwork where the connection between the candidate and the and the constituents really, really matter. Yeah, I understand. I think um, I'll just make a slight comment to that. And maybe this is me, like, you know, um, kind of not wanting to say, like, 
wah, yeah, you know, you didn't see the PAP MP. Yeah, then you saw me twice, eh, you know. <laughs> right, I, right. I think, um, you know, to be fair to her, um, she's been there for a very, very long time. She knows the ground very, very well. And I think she's done a lot of great things for CME and she's also spoken up for CME as well. So um, I think that's something that, um, you know, I will also recognize. And I feel that that's good in a sense because when there's that level of competition and you see that the incumbent is working so hard as well, right, it just makes you feel that, you know, there is a lot more that we can do as a party uh, if we were ever to be elected into that area. So I think it's very good also to be self-aware of, uh, you know, right. not, not just the hard work that you're putting in, even though it is very hard work and it is quite painful at times, but um, also what the other side is doing and, you know, the fact that they, they are able to like up their game to such a level. And it also makes me wonder, you know, on a regular basis, um, you know, would we also be able to perhaps achieve that level of impact without the same machinery. And I think that perhaps might recall, might, might involve us working in maybe smarter ways, more nimble ways. Um, I don't have the answer yet. That's something that I still mull over on a regular basis. Right. Thank you so much, Nicole. You are so nice to your political adversaries. And I think that's really, that's really the tone that politicians should be setting, right? Uh, and I think it will trickle down to the general public. So, so thank you so much. Uh, there are too many questions here. So I'll just read off a couple uh, that, that I can. So how do you feel about the extremely close contest in GE 2020 where you gave Heng Swee a run for his money? Do you expect to almost unseat the Deputy Prime Minister? So this is by Arun. Um, not at all, actually. So um, I remember sitting there in the nomination centre on the day itself. Uh, he had walked in very, very late. Um, all of us were just sitting there and wondering, like, uh, you know, why, why, why was the entire team there except that one last person and who was that person going to be? Um, and so he showed up about, I think, about half an hour or 15 minutes before the close of nomination. And uh, that was a huge shock. Uh, I, I wouldn't lie. And um, I remember thinking to myself, do they accept pay now for election deposit because <laughs> maybe I need to like, you know, just send a pay line, like take a bus home, right? But, but, but I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, so, so it goes back to my earlier point about, you know, when, when you were saying that, um, oh, do you join WP because um, there, is a, there, there is a good chance to win? Obviously, that was an instance where uh, we had we, we thought that we had almost no chance to win and yet we still had to make the decision to stand very firm there and decide that we were going to put up a good fight regardless because I think it wouldn't be fair to the previous WP teams that had already contested there. Like, you know, Leon has such a strong presence there as uh, you all know. And, uh, you know, even Gerald, uh, Gerald and, yeah. and Dennis and in Fengshan, yeah, yeah. everyone still remembers them. So I think we felt that we needed to do right by that and at least put up a good fight for everyone and a good alternative. I think the last thing that uh, voters want to see as well is that, you know, they're choosing between a rock and a hard place. La. You know, when they look at you and go, oh, but, you know, you're, you're as enthusiastic about this as a pair of wet socks. So why should I vote you in, you know. I, I, I don't want to give that impression to voters as well. I think we had a responsibility to do right by them. Yeah. Right. So uh, the second time, right, that you almost laid a prime minister. Uh, one was a former prime minister, the other is a future prime minister. So basically it's because of you, right, that uh, Lawrence Wong is the prime minister in waiting. <laughs> I mean, a lot can happen in politics, la. so it's, it's quite an unpredictable game. I wouldn't say that, uh, you know, it was me that led to it. Uh, definitely, I think uh, DPM Wong has had a very um, stellar track record of uh, being a very key political communicator during the COVID crisis. So uh, that definitely would have scored him um, a lot of street cred in his own right to, um, you know, be the clear front runner. 
Okay. Yeah, but I, I don't yeah. I wouldn't dare to like see myself as a PM slayer. I mean in the first place, I didn't even like actively go out to I mean to to say that, you know, oh I'm gonna be pitted against like this person. So I think that would be hubris and it would be quite um yeah, quite arrogant of me to to do so lah. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Now so there is a question by Kate. What would a WP government do differently? Uh, to to be honest, I don't think we have thought that far yet. Um, I know that a lot of opposition parties come in saying that, uh, you know, we want to come in, we want to be an alternative government to the ruling party. I think, uh, honestly, that's putting the that's putting the horse the cart before the horse. Um, I have learned in politics, and one key takeaway that I've had is that. You can't have just the big ideas. You can't just have that vision and strategy. You need to be able to do the small things well as well. So I think for us, an immediate step is to really deny the PAP government of a supermajority so that they cannot easily make changes to the constitution um, you know, without, without that public scrutiny. And um, I think in that medium term, that goal is to really hit um, one third of the seats in parliament. I don't think we are ready to talk about WP government yet. Right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that honesty. So uh, let's talk about something that you know you're uh, quite passionate about, and something that uh, was debated in Parliament recently: uh, the climate uh, climate policies. So how how exactly does the WP differ from the PAP? So for those who may not understand the intricacies of the debate between Jamers and Grace Fu, right? How how would you characterize the differences in these two parties' policies, climate policies? Yeah, so um, for, for me personally, what I feel is that, um, and this is very interesting because we just recently made that point about how, um, you know, you can have that big picture, but if you don't have the tactics and the small steps to back it up, then um, it kind of rings hollow. So I think same goes for climate as well. Climate as a whole is very, very far-reaching. So every time people say that, you know, oh, they want to champion climate change, like what exactly is it within climate change that you're looking to champion? And I think that uh, what we need to see uh, with regards to climate policies is the tactics that would impact people the most. So, for example, uh, you know, you can always come out with this very like broad KPI and say like, uh, oh, you know, this is what we intend to do. This is what we intend to achieve for Singapore. But then there's always that question of like, so what? So, you know, how, how does that um, affect me as an individual? And I feel that at present, a lot of these questions are not really fully addressed in a very transparent way. And there isn't really a certain framework or principles in mind that are made open to public consultation, at least not to my knowledge. Lah. So, for example, right, you can see that um, there are certain KPIs like uh, net zero by 2050 or one right. million trees by, tw by 2030. And I always feel that the devil is in the details. So I found it personally very ironic, and this is something that disturbed me quite a fair bit, when in that same year, or rather in the same um, time frame, right, when we were talking about one million trees by 2030, then, you, then we suddenly witnessed like, instances of deforestation in Pasiris, in Kranji, right. and, and we were having that big uh, debacle about Dover Forest as well. Right. So I think that, you know, fundamentally then, if you're just so focused on putting up hard numbers, right, then fundamentally I feel that the policymakers don't understand that there is a difference between planting a tree sapling to mark your KPI versus right. the kind of native biodiversity that you enjoy from a tree that is 100 years old. I mean, granted, right. we always have to learn how to live in harmony with nature. And there will be instances where if it, if it is a threat indeed you know, to, to human safety, like you know, if the tree is going to like rot and collapse and then you know, that might cause a traffic accident, then yes, of course, we have to make these difficult decisions to remove the tree or, you know, to, replant it or to relocate it elsewhere. But I think that, um, you know, a lot of these KPIs are really made without considering these things. So it's almost like there is a lack of appreciation uh, for 
for what we need to do to preserve biodiversity. And you don't just see this like with regards to deforestation as well, but even with regards to say, um, you know, HDB green towns, uh, you know, when they start to design that, I think the HDB uh, design contractors themselves are not always completely aware of uh, what it means to have that connectivity and to really imbue nature into the population without just like, like bunching in, you know, uh, without just like putting in a bunch of trees and like, you know, just creating this very manicured kind of landscape for people to enjoy. Nature is not for people, not purely for people to enjoy. That's the byproduct. But nature has to embrace that biodiversity and it has to embrace our native species, which has been around for much longer than we have. La. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, is... I <laughs> No, no, no. That was excellent. <laughs> I think so many, so many good sound bites, right? So, so thank you, Nicole. I think Kate, uh, responded said oh my god yes thank you for bringing this up literal example of missing the forest for the trees and uh, Kate is actually a, a climate activist as well she just went uh, to COP27 and uh, so there, there are a couple of comments saying that the WP has too gentle has been too gentle in communicating its stance in parliament and even yourself you have been uh, very gentle in this right just now when I said I didn't see my MP and you quickly uh, refuted me and and do you think, do you get that criticism a lot that the WP is not hard enough, the WP is gen too gentle, doesn't oppose enough? Um, to, to be honest, I think that's a bit like beyond my pay grade. So <laughs> it, it's a bit difficult for me to um, answer like, you know, why, why, why we are gentle. I don't think we are really that gentle enough. Like, I think we just feel the need to be very civilized in parliament. <laughs> and um, I think that's coming off pretty well. Um, you know, it's like if you're working in a company and you have to see all these colleagues day in, day out, like it's not very nice to like throw shoes at them or yell at them. Like, ultimately, I think if you want someone else to hear your viewpoint, you do need to communicate that in a way that is civilized and, you know, in a way that that would be palatable to them so that they would be able to take on your feedback. So I think fundamentally, that's the kind of um, balance that we, we need to draw as a political party. Uh, you know, for a lot of um, parties out there, like, you know, they do feel that, wow, you need, you need to rebel rouse, you know, you need to like raise a fire and brimstone. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's that level of anger um, achieve the same effect. Uh, I think the, the jury is still on that. But I, I would say that personally, for me, that's not my style. Um, that's not the kind of politics that I want to build in Singapore. Um, yes, I've been on the receiving end of some of the unfairness that the commenters are talking about. And, you know, that could be enough to like make me a very bitter person. Person, right. But I think instead, I choose to like look over that and look past that and really think about, you know, uh, what, what kind of Singapore do I want to see in the longer term? And, uh, you know, what kind of role can I play in that? And if I can play a role, if I can contribute in my very own small way, then uh, I'll be happy to do so. Right. Okay. Thank you so much. So there's a question here and you may uh, choose not to answer because, again, this may be beyond your pay grade. Uh, Pritam should be answering this probably. So PAP has recently taken a view on issues such as uh, Section 377A. Uh, does the WP have any position on this? Um, so um, the, the party leadership has uh, convened to discuss this. Um, it, it, it is a very um, personal and a private discussion that we've had that will be made in due course uh, in the proper channel. So um, do stay tuned for that. Um, we, we, will, we will be considering all the different possibilities and avenues before we make that statement in Parliament. Okay, thank you so much. So, another question by Professor Yen Chong. One current claim from the PAP is that the WP's position on GST uh, is wasteful and do not allow replenishment of the reserves. Can you help explain the WP's position? Um, I, I don't think it's um, I don't think it's fair to say that uh, you know we, we're against public spending. Um, I think we are definitely for public spending, and we do recognize that uh, there is a need 
for this uh, GST hike to take place sooner or later, um, especially with the way um, the cost of things have been going. But um, I think at the same time, we do need to recognize that, uh, that there is a time and place for everything. Lah. And one thing that was particularly shocking for me was that uh, the government had decided to go ahead with the timing of the hike um, even prior, you know, right, right at the beginning of the year when and there was no change to that position, even though we started to see a lot of extenuating circumstances that were beyond our control. So for example, you know, the, the war and, you know, all of the interest hikes that were happening um, all around the world, the hyperinflation that was going on. And I think when you do that, you know, there is already a natural inflation that arises from all of these circumstances. Right. And then when you top that off with an additional GST increase, um, you know, it, it's really not a 1% increase that you'll be experiencing across the board. That 1% is compounded and that that cost of the cost of things will just reach a very astronomical level. So it's something that um, perhaps I disagree with, but I also feel that um, if the government has had reasons to like push this ahead, then um, you know we, we have heard these reasons in parliament. The one thing that I will make a comment against though is that I feel that um, it is no point for us to delay that increase uh, from 7 to 8% and then to 9%. I think that increase needs to take place, um, you know, like a bandit. And the reason why I say this is because what we have noticed is that um, a lot of business owners, merchants, um, suppliers, they will inevitably start to increase the price uh, preemptively ahead of the GST increase. And like I was saying, right, right. Um, it's not just 1%, it's all compounded. Right. So what happens is you're going to start increasing the price from 2022 all the way to 2023. Yeah. And then when 2023 goes up to 2024 and then it's another 1% increase, right? Yeah. You're just going to see uh, an increase, you know, it's not going to, it's not going exactly. to plateau or stabilize. It will right. just keep increasing all the way, perhaps even more than it was intended to increase right. because I'm pretty sure that, you know, any, any, um, you know, sensible business owner will probably pack in buffers just to make sure that, you know, they aren't on the receiving end of some sort of like cost raising measure. Lah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, I think uh, that was uh, an elaborate answer. So there is a comment by Zayed Reviews Live. Uh, he, he says that he's glad that WP chooses to be mature when it is easier not to be. And I, I really, that's something I, I've always uh, respected about the WP. That's the, the MPs and even people who are not MPs like yourself always conduct themselves with so much grace, even when they are being slammed directly and sometimes personally. <laughs> And I think uh, actually the perception of, of uh, being civilized, it matters a lot in the eyes of voters, right? I think voters do, do appreciate the fact that if, if you slam too much, there, there's going to be consequences. Yeah, so uh, what is it like being in the, this is a question from Liana, what is it like being a politician <coughs> in the opposition? Spe specifically, do you tackle issues in response to government policies more? Or do you... Uh, leave uh, that to the NMPs. Sorry, I need I need to see. That. Yeah, so I I I'm not sure I understand the question also. But but let, maybe let me let me rephrase the question. Right. So when when is it better for the opposition to raise issues, and when is it better for the NMPs to raise issues? I think that's Leonard's question. I think I didn't understand it uh, earlier. Mm, I think the question about the NMPs is, um, you know, is there is there a neutrality in position? I think, you know, the whole NNP scheme was set up to represent uh, certain businesses, certain industries and certain communities uh, within society. Um, but I think there is also a possibility where, you know, when you have a committee, an NNP nomination committee that is made up of primarily PAP representatives, then, you know, eventually, are you going to elect an NNP that perhaps 
toes um, a lot more closely with the party line than right. with a more independent mindset. And I think that perhaps in the past, uh, you know, we've seen many good examples of uh, NMPs that um, are neutral. Um, I, I think I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't comment much on the current term uh, because um, I, I don't really follow every single thing that they say. But I do feel that um, perhaps there is a possibility that uh, sometimes the NMPs, um, I think that neutrality has perhaps been diluted over the years. Um, so, so I think that that's one. Um, I think with regards to do we find ourselves leaving that to the NMPs and NCMPs? Um, NCMPs, I think right now, because the NCMPs are being represented by PSP, so uh, we don't really, um, I, I mean, apart from maybe LO's interaction with PSP, um, for, for the party as a whole, we don't really um, interact with PSP on um, their policy position, so a lot of that is independent. Um, I think when we tackle issues, yeah, I, I, I think um, that, that's mainly addressing the question. Sorry, not, not sure if I managed to Yeah, yeah, I think, I think you did. I think it. you yeah. did. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, there are still a lot of questions. So, please, please continue to type them and I'll try to address them. Uh, but I have one question of my own. So, you guys have been teasing a run in Tampines, right? And uh, so, are you, is WP going to contest in Tampines? And are you going to contest in Tampines? Um, so we recently had hammered outreach in a few markets in Tampines, like, you know, the raw market and the reception was pretty decent. Um, lots of people came out to ask us the same question, but, uh, I was chatting with Mr. Lau after that. And he told me that people have been asking that question for years. Yeah, I... So, um, I think again, uh, that's a question that's beyond my pay grade and you might have to ask Pritam directly. La. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the WP should, um, so my own, my own MP is, uh, Mr. Bayam King and, I like him a lot. He's very on mm -hmm. the ground. I don't think the other members of the team are as strong as him. And I think the evidence for that is the opposition that contested against them was barely here. Uh, I rarely ever saw them. In fact, the posters were also almost non-existent. And they got 34-35% of the votes, you know. So it seems like Tempenis is there for the taking, right? But okay, hopefully when Pritam comes on, I'll... I'll ask him that question. <laughs> you know, that, it's interesting yeah. that you talked about that, right? I think uh, one thing that we realize is that uh, it's not so much that, um, you, you know, every time we talk about that hardcore opposition base, right? It's not just that 30 odd percent that, and, and you know, then that remaining 16% that right. you're looking to win. But what we found historically is that it's always, there's always a middle ground that is very, very hard to take. And this is like anywhere between 3 to 5%. That right. could correspond to like, you know, easily five to 10,000 votes, depending on the size of the GRC. So I think we have had, um, you, you know, we have instances where, and that's possibly the reason why East Coast has always been cutting so close the last couple of cycles, right? So we, we can win over a very large majority, no matter, you know, how, how good the team is, or, you know, how strong the team is, or how united the team is, or, you know, what kind of performance we put up during the hustings. But at the end of the day, it's always that small percentage that is very, very hard to swing. And the nature of that, that demographic um, differs from area to area. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. So, but I think you've, you've done how many walkabouts in Tempenis? How many walkabouts? Are? Oh, um, I have only participated in the Hammer Outreach. So that was about, maybe we went to four different markets. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Mm. Okay. Which is so, the Street 81 side and the Round Market. And then um, there is the one that's closer to Tampanese East. Yeah. Uh, right, right, right. Okay. Mm. Thank you so much. So there's a ridiculous comment here. West side, best side. Please come to the West. Like, <laughs> even that, that person doesn't believe <laughs> what, what they're saying. <laughs> crying emoji. <laughs> yeah, crying emoji. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 
what is one big idea you have for the youth wing that you wish to achieve uh, in your capacity now? So um, when I started my term with the youth wing, I actually drew up a roadmap of um, everything that I wanted to do, the objectives I wanted to achieve. But I think the objectives by and large, so I'm currently in my second term as uh, the youth wing president. Uh, because I got, recently got re-elected into the right. CC. So these objectives, I feel, I mean, I've been revisiting that in the last couple of days, right? And the objectives by and large remain the same. But um, I realized at the end of the day, and this brings me back to my earlier point, that when it comes to politics, uh, one has to do the small things well before even thinking of the big things. Uh. And that's a hard lesson that I've learned over the years. And which is why, as for myself, I do have a tendency to just focus on, like, you know, really a lot of the grunt work. So I think for now, right, as long as we can move, um, you know, for every new dedicated youth volunteer that we manage to move or, you know, even if we move the needle on like getting young people more acquainted with this idea of being associated with a political party as a member and making that whole concept mainstream, I think that's really a win for us already. And that's something that you might not even achieve even if you have like, you know, the best social media content or right. you know, even if you have the most exciting and fun like initiatives or programs. Right. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, people will convert and want to be associated with a political party. So I think that's the biggest challenge that um, we have to crack. Um, I, I'm not sure for the PSP and the PAP. I suspect that it's pretty much the same. And I'm also not surprised that uh, people feel this way because um, when, when you are in your youth, right, um, and when I say youth, I, I mean like very loosely um, 16 years old to maybe 29 years old. Oh, okay. Actually, my age, la, my age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I right, hope so no one 16. goes into Wiki and Pofmas <laughs> me right now. But uh, yeah, yeah, my age, my age. So, so um, 16 to 29, you would define as no, your so target I'm, audience? I'm thinking, I'm thinking 16 to 29 is actually very difficult. But that's actually where you need the, the energy of the youth, right? But it's quite difficult to win these group of people over because they are still finding their footing. Right. They are very, very busy with friends, very busy with uni, very busy with deciding and thinking what they want to do, struggling with getting used to, you know, the day to the day to day grind of, you know, that first job that they are that they are embarking on. So there there are a lot of factors in place. And I think a lot of people are still at that place in time where they are making a decision of, you know, do I want to contribute in a larger capacity? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? And there are so many different causes out there that, you know, there's it's really very difficult to like tell people like, hey, you know, uh, WP is like, you know, the best cause that you could possibly step forward and be a part of because the reality of it is that, you know, when you talk when you talk about about real change, right? A lot of that change also happens with, you know, the, the social, the, the VWOs, the NGOs, the social workers. So, you know, a lot of that hard work also happens, but, and, and we need to recognize that. But at the end of the day, um, you know, policies do to some extent also influence, like, you know, the outcomes and how um, these people on the ground are being affected as well. Uh. Right. Yeah, so, so I, I think that there's a, there's a bit of like, it's a confluence of all these factors, right. I would say. So your, yeah. your ultimate, is it fair to say from your answer that your ultimate priority is still getting the ground, like going to the ground and expanding the reach of WP as much as possible? Uh, not so much of that. I think that is maybe more of my objective um, overall as a politician on the whole. Or, you know, I like to call myself a political activist because I'm not an elected official. Um, but I think with regards to the youth, um, it's really about converting them and making that whole idea of, you know, a political... Um, presence uh, or rather a political, political association mainstream. Uh, yeah. Okay, so there's a question about hung parliament and I don't think it's relevant. I think Nicole already said earlier that the, the target now is one third uh, and even for that... Hung parliament? Yeah. Oh, actually I'm, I'm, quite, <laughs> oh, I'm quite happy to answer that oh, question. Yeah, yeah, I think it's on, quite please. interesting. Uh. Please. 
No, because um, I think when we talk about hung parliament, the reason why it's at the forefront of our minds right now is because uh, we're looking at the Malaysian elections, right? Yeah. And then everyone's like, ha ha ha, you know, like all the votes are in, it's being tabulated, but then, you know, you're looking at like PH, PN, BN, like, you know, they're all like trying to see like, you know, who can win over who to like, you know, win over that small party to make up the numbers to form the government. And I think across the causeway, maybe people are like, I don't know, making fun of that or laughing at that or thinking like, um, wow, what a horrible place to be yeah. in. But you know what? The reality of it is that it doesn't even affect people on the ground right now. They are right. still going about right. doing their jobs, living their lives. Right. They don't care that there is a hung exactly. parliament. So the interesting thing and the outcome of that is that then you start to realize that, hey, people are not pillaging the streets. They're not exactly. rioting. You know, they're just following the democratic process. And I exactly. think there's beauty in that. I don't Absolute. think that we will, yeah, I don't think we'll ever reach a stage where we have a hung parliament in Singapore, not yet. But I also believe in Singaporeans and that, you know, if we were to ever reach that stage, I think that Singaporeans would trust that things would work out for the best. And, right. you know, they would exercise their democratic vote in the event that it doesn't. Right. So I do and have trust in the system overall. Absolutely, yeah. 100% agree. And I think the Malaysian case, for all of Malaysia's political problems, I think it's extremely inspiring. Two turnovers without any riots, bloodshed, and people just go on. It's, the, it's life as, as per normal. And I think that is the lesson that we should be taking. You know, even if uh, there is the, uh, the withering of one party's dominance, right? It's not the yes. end of the world, right? Absolutely. So I 100% agree. And also the point about trusting voters. So if you accept voters' will when you win, you cannot, cannot reject voters' will when you lose, right? So yeah. which is it, right? When when are voters smart or not so it cannot be that when they vote for you they are smart when they don't vote for you they are not smart right so mm. you have to you cannot have your cake and eat it yeah so there's one question by uh, prof yuan chong so uh, what's the one thing that wp can do better mm. that's a good question i think that's the first time i've been stumped in this <laughs> in this live stream uh, what's the one thing wp can do better Or maybe you're, you're fine just the way you are? No, I, I don't <laughs> think we are fine just the way we are. But I also recognize that whenever people try to hold us to a much higher standard, um, I, I also think that that needs to come with the recognition and acknowledgement that uh, there are a lot of hiccups, a lot of road bumps, speed bumps that are put in our way to prevent us from doing things the normal way. Lah. So um, I do think that people need to be cognizant of that uh, and recognize that before asking us, like, what do you all need to do better? I think, um, you know, a lot of that reminds me of, you know, whenever I, I go and walk about, it's not just, not just with my current team, but uh, even when I was walking previously, um, you know, with, with, with uh, Leon in East Coast, when I was walking in a BRP, uh, with, with the BRP team. And, um, what, and people always tell us, like, oh, you need to work harder, you know, you need to do more. And then um, I, I literally tell them very honestly, I say, I'm already walking three times a week. Um, you know, I'm the president of the youth wing. We do try to organize activities from time to time. All of this is volunteer work. We have to manage volunteers. We have to do a food distribution. We also have to, um, you know, attend CC meetings. We have to, you know, just be part of like party level activities as well. And it takes up a lot of time. I also believe that politics is not the be all and end all at the end of the day. Uh, we need to recognize that politicians especially the ones that are um, operating in a voluntary capacity, 
uh, at the end of the day, human uh, with families that we need to feed, bills that we need to pay. So I feel that um, I've been a lot more firm about my boundaries as the years go by. Yeah, I don't feel that pressure to do more, to be honest. It's wow. not because I don't want to do more, but it's because I've made peace with what I can do and what I cannot do. Um, and it doesn't fall on the individual. It, doesn't, it might not even fall on the current party. I do believe that when the time comes, if people are ready for that change, it will be a generational shift regardless um, of what the people have been doing day in, day out. But I do believe that everything that the current members and volunteers of WP are doing now do contribute to that larger goal at the end of the day in our very own way and um, in all the small things that we are doing. Yeah. That is such a refreshing answer. I mean, Sarah is... Uh, DMing me, she says, so good, Nicole. That's a 100% honest response. I love it. Uh, so thank you so much. I, I, I really enjoyed that answer. Uh, so there's a couple of interesting questions, and I, I promise we won't go for too long more. So you vote. So Malaysia recently had reduced the voting age to 18. Do you think there's a way to go for Singapore? Uh, yeah, I think that's something that the WP manifesto has been advocating for, um, you know, in the G2020 manifesto. So that's something that uh, we definitely want to push for. I do believe that um, the youth of today are becoming a lot more discerning, a lot more savvy as well. They're also getting their information sources uh, from many different places and they're becoming a lot more politically aware compared to before. So, right. um, you know, even during the hustings, like we've had people come up to us, uh, nine years old, eight years old, saying that, you know, they, they know they, they know who we are, what we do, what we are standing here for. And it's not just their parents, but, you know, they are reading all of this uh, based on their own interests as well. Yeah. Wow. So Eight I think that's old, a very man. encouraging so, sign. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. uh, I, I think if you like scroll back to my Instagram post yeah. from 2020 and even like last year as well, uh, when I was doing a couple of walks in a 216, you know, I had like little kids like, you know, come up to us and like, you know, just um, chat with us. And I'm always very, very happy to chat with these kids and just to understand like where they got that interest from because uh, it's always healthy to be interested in these things from a young age to really understand what you're getting yourself into. And I think that's a much better place to be than being politically apathetic. Right, absolutely. The worst, the worst is to be uh, apathetic, right? So, Subra yeah. actually mentioned, it's a sidetrack, but I think, uh, I think the comment sort of resonates with me. So, he said Kyrie Jamaluddin's response to defeat was a brilliant rep representation of political maturity. And I think you also, in your, uh, in your guardedness or in your, uh, in your answers, have, have displayed mm. a lot of political maturity, right? And now, I don't know whether this comes with age or this is uh, the, the natural predisposition of WP candidates, but it's, it's really amazing. And I always feel that politicians, you know, elections are bloody contests, right? By nature, elections are divisive, but you don't have to be fighting the elections for the whole five years, right? So yeah, you fight it's very tiring. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I never understand how people have, you know, the energy to just be commenting nonstop. If, if, I mean, don't. Guys, you have a day job, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Have family, you need to spend time. Right, right, right. I mean, yes, I, I get being passionate about something, but um, you know, I myself be the first to admit that I don't follow every single issue that unravels because I simply don't have time. You know, right. I'm, I'm too busy like at, at work. I'm too busy with my kids, and that that should take priority over everything else. Politics is just noise at the end of the day. Right. And and Thanks. I think we and I think as politicians, like we shouldn't be taking ourselves too seriously as well. Like I think sometimes when people go up there and they say something like, you know, there's always this assumption that you know, oh, it's going to be like you know, liquid gold or audio gold. You know, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be that way. At the end of the day, you're just another person standing on a rostrum like talking you know right. and people might take something away from that maybe they don't but um, I, I think we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously yeah Another there are people who are actually the in the trenches doing real work you know right 
Another one for the mark, right? Politicians shouldn't take themselves too seriously. But you know, polit Singapore politicians, especially PAP politicians, take them very seriously, right? themselves very seriously. So I, I do think you're right. We need to we need to change that. So just yeah, to, may maybe yeah, to yeah, some extent, maybe to some extent, they treat it as a very like you know life or death situation that you yeah. know they they are doing right by the party if they defend the seat, and they are not doing right by the party if they don't defend the seat, or even by extension, you know, for the country. But um, I, I, again, I feel that, you know, then that places too much emphasis on the individual to achieve right. these outcomes. Right. But I think you need to recognize that. And even for me, it's not just me standing in East Coast. It's the entire team, you know. You've seen at our National Day dinner that it was a huge group photo that we took. You were there, Walid, you know. Yeah, yeah, I was there. As, there, as, I was as there, our yeah. guests, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, that there was a huge group of people. And all of these people are the ones who are making everything happen uh, multiple times a week. It's not just me, right. you know. It's just yeah. that I so happen to be the front-facing person. So, I would say say that, you know, as an individual, I wouldn't place too much emphasis on myself, even if I were to be shunted out one day and someone else, you know, younger, more energetic, were to come in and take that position, you know, yeah, so, so be it, you know, as long as the movement progresses in the right direction that we are looking towards, then um, I think we're in the right place. Hey, don't, and I don't think it's healthy for the response. democracy of Singapore. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I was there at the uh, WP National Dinner. It was interesting because uh, there were a couple of tables for public intellectuals. I think Professor Yen Chong was there as well. I was with Professor Chiran George and I was sitting at the table with East Coast activists because it was a halal table. Uh, and yeah, and you are right. These people are, are those who do the groundwork. Uh, even uh, a couple of them have been to my, my parents' place before. So uh, there, there is a whole team. I won't say machinery because this is volunteers, right? These are not yeah. paid activists or anything, but yeah. there is a team, yeah. people that really sacrifice a lot. A lot for you guys. Okay. So let's try to... I, I wanted to ask just, just two more questions, right? One is, you mentioned that uh, uh, very early on that the PAP has certain advantages, right? And one of the things that maybe you don't experience, but I know other colleagues of yours experience is that people don't want to take photos with opposition candidates or MPs sometimes, right? And, and for you, it's different, right? Because you are sort of a superstar. So uh, do you... Do you think that's still true from your experience or is that no longer true? Um, first up, I would say that the real superstar is Jameis. Uh, you should see him on the ground. Um, it's just everyone's queuing up to take photos of him. Uh, you know. Oh, so, come on. So, yeah, I was the, the there at Simi MRT. I was there at Simi <laughs> MRT. There was a long queue waiting to take a photo with him, including myself. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah uh, okay. Sorry, where were we? <laughs> so the superstar, you said Jameis was the, in your false yeah, humility, you say Jameis is the real? <laughs> no, Jameis is the real superstar. I mean, yeah, he's, yeah, he's just all around, like, just very, very popular. And I think deservedly so, because it's not just his credentials or his eloquence, but it's also the fact that he works so hard day in, day out on the ground. Right, right. Yeah. So, okay, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> go, go back to the questions. I forgot again. <laughs> yeah, so do... Uh, do you still see that happening or has that uh, reduced a little so where people don't want to be pictured with the opposition for instance mm, it, it definitely has reduced uh, quite quite a fair bit um, so just sharing my own personal experience right um, when I uh, when I started volunteering uh, in opposition politics in uh, 2009 and I was doing house visits or even market walkabouts then um, people would literally threaten to call the police on me whoa 
Yeah, or they would see me and they would go, nope, and then they would just like, you know, bang the door. So it was very scary. Wow. I mean, as in, it's quite funny now when you think, when you look back on it. But I think back then, it just really hit home that it was very, very difficult to be an opposition party, to be in an opposition party in Singapore. And there's always a sense that, you know, if you join these parties, then, you know, are, are you a lunatic or, you know, are, are you are, are you just like really crazy or something? And, and that's the feeling that I've had to sit with because I felt that if I felt so strongly about this, but I still wanted to be involved in this, then does that make me a lunatic, you know? Or, you know, <laughs> am, am, I, am I crazy for doing so? Like, with the way people are responding to me because they wouldn't respond to me like that um, elsewhere in any other setting, right? Right. So that has definitely changed so much, especially since 2020. Um, I think these days when we walk, um, you know, people are saying to us, thank you for walking, thank you for visiting us, thank you for doing the work that you do. And that kind of appreciation is just so breathtaking. And I always say to them, you know, we never take that support for granted. Um, it's really something that's very, very surprising to us that, you know, I would never have even fathomed uh, 13 years ago. Yeah. Right. Thank you so much. And I, di I didn't know that you've actually people threatened to call the police on you. And when, when do you see the shift happening? When do so you see the shift happening? Uh, definitely um, in 2011 onwards. But okay. um, that was very, very slight. Um, I think it's become, so I, I really think that if you think that 2011 was the social media election, I really think 2020 was the social right. media right. election, you know. That was where like people were really campaigning very hard online. That was where we weren't even allowed to hold physical rallies for right. the first time. So I think that's where a lot of people started to really like, you know, um, uh, familiarize and really warm up to the idea that you know a politician um, has a social media presence and it's okay to be seen with a politician on social media right yeah, yeah. so yeah la, I mean um, yeah <laughs> no thank you uh, and I I think one of the one of the things mm. that we need to do is also to normalize uh, the opposition right because the opposition are not enemies right they are people uh, patriotic, loyal Singaporeans who also, they have a different point of view from the government, but that's fine. That's healthy for society. And I can imagine also maybe in 2011, platform like this probably wouldn't have existed. Right? So mm. let's end on a conciliatory note, right? So who is your favourite PAP politician other than SM Taman and Louis Ng? Eh. Who is that? <laughs> I know hey, that will be. <laughs> it's so easy. Everybody will just say SF Taman or Louis Ng. So hey, he. Really, very difficult for me, <laughs> Cannot, cannot, cannot. Wait, PAP MPs, I need to go down the list now. Because the one in my head is always, is always Taman. Oh, oh no. Who? I cannot think already. <laughs> uh, my favorite PAP MP, uh. yeah. uh, uh... <laughs> Can be passed also. Yeah, can be passed. Wow, you really left me stunned there. <laughs> How? Uh, okay, okay, sorry. I'm just quickly scrolling through the list right now. I'm no. scrolling. Uh, yeah. Um, this is... This is the... Yeah, you, you stumped the first me. Time. Yeah, you yeah, really yeah. Stumped me. First time you're stumped. <laughs> yeah. Um... I w I would say um if uh D yeah DPM uh, Hing Suiket oh okay uh, out of all of them um and I think that fundamentally the reason why I say this is that um <clears throat> we managed to have a couple of private conversations um, away from the the media scrum and 
and you know we we spoke in private and i just felt that he was a very kind person and a very very nice person and you know that that kind of that that kind of combative sort of you know um episodes that we were having during the hustings i think he also recognizes that it's something that is probably something that he needs to do but it was very obvious that it's something that it wasn't part of his personality so he's very very smart but very humble at the same time and um i could just tell that he's a very very kind man yeah Well, that so was, um, there was something that I was very warmed by when I spoke to him. That was a scoop indeed. Uh, Nicole, thank you so much for choosing this platform to do your interview. I know you are extremely busy with party work, and you know, uh, you got your your second child rel- relatively recently. So thank you so much for for everything, and I really hope you will be an MP one day, and I really hope you'll be contesting in my. I never ever say who I'm going to vote for, but If you are contesting my ward, that's that's one vote for you already. <laughs> thank, thank you so much, Walid. Um, I I do want to say this as well. Um, I come into politics not expecting to be elected at all. Um, and the reason why I say this is because politics in itself is ex- is extremely unpredictable. Um, so I always tell residents when they ask me like, "Hey, what do you think are your chances for next round?" No, I always say that we'll just work very, very hard. We'll just give our hundred percent. We'll just do our best. But at the end of the day, voting is a very, very personal choice and something that we respect regardless. And whether you choose to vote for us or vote for you know the other side, at the end of the day, uh, we respect that wholeheartedly, completely, and it doesn't stop us from continuing to do the work for you. So I would say that's my main takeaway. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't expect to be elected because a lot, a lot can happen now. Uh. But um, I would say thank you very much, Walid, for inviting me. You've had such eminent guests and personalities on none, your none more eminent than session. than today. <laughs> no, that's not true. I mean, um, it, it's really been a huge honor, and like I said before, you really have this way of um speaking to people in a very relatable way, and you always have this way of like breaking down very complex, arbitrary political concepts into something that's very understandable for people. And I think that's why um you are so you are so popular, not not hey. just as an academic or an intellectual, but as a real person. Now, don't, so don't, um, don't I, I really me. really respect that too much. Don't don't get I, me crying, okay? So <laughs> you got tissue? You got tissue? You pack your tissue? Got tissue box? I, I got but, tissue box. Can I give you tissue but, virtually? <laughs> but thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and it was a really yeah. fun conversation. I think you were you were extremely honest as well. Thank you, Nicole, mm. and good night, everyone. It was worth okay. the wait for sure. Bye bye. Thanks so much, Walid. Good night. Bye bye.